This week's episode is brought to you by Jerry's Hobbies and Coffees. Ever shopping for model train parts when you realize you're hangering for a cuppa? Ever only half enjoying a coffee, wishing you had some puzzles to put together or even buy? Come to Jerry's Hobbies and Coffees, the perfect place for you where you can shop for RC heli parts while Jerry prepares for you a perfectly pulled espresso. Jerry's Hobbies and Coffees. Hello everyone and welcome back to Two Dudes Doing Trivia. I'm Oda Tettle. And I'm Bonesaw. This week we have a very special episode as we're trying out a new game mode. We are going to be playing something that we call This or That. What is this or that? This or that? Uh, basically, we've got two categories chosen. Um, not necessarily trivia categories, not just history, not just geography. Two kind of broad spectrum categories. We can say you can pick this category or that category. And what's going to happen is you can answer the questions in that category. And if you picked this, for example, next week or in two weeks or in three weeks, you'll get that. That's right. So maybe there's a little bit of strategy to be had here because maybe I'll choose the one that I'm less familiar with this week in order to gain an advantage next time. Oh, that's interesting. That could work. Mine are not particularly easy or hard. It's just a couple of categories and something interesting, I hope. Yeah, I think uh, for me, this this game mode started with I had like three or four questions that I could loosely tie together with a theme. And then instead of doing a secret theme round, I just uh, we came up with this idea. So we'll find out how it goes. Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing your feedback on this game type or any other previous games we've played or ideas for new games we can play. So let's hear them. Okay, so let's do it. I I can ask you questions first. How about that? Perfect. All right. This or that? All right. Oda Tettle, would you like to answer questions on this or that? Famous people named John or the most recent person to blank? Let's go with famous people named John. All right, I've got five famous Johns for you. Your first question is, according to a traditional children's song that has its roots in 19th century vaudeville theater, his name is my name too. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt, is that something like that? (laughs) John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt is correct. I was like, so, oh, it's a long name. Yeah, for you and I, that's probably you know an easy question to reach back, but it's even easier to our friends that have children because that song probably comes up in their life a little more than ours. Uh, <laughs> I'm not actually sure where I came across that when I heard it, and I was like, you know what? That's a famous John. That is one famous John. That's right. Okay, your second question. This American serial killer and sex offender committed all of his crimes in a Chicago suburb and is the subject of the second installment of Netflix's Conversations with a Killer series. So I don't know for certain what the answer is, but in grade 11, I wrote a paper on John Wayne Gacy Jr., the clown killer. So I will guess John Wayne Gacy Jr., the clown killer. Well, you know what? I only have three of those names written down, John Wayne Gacy, but you are certainly <laughs> correct that it's John Wayne Gacy Jr., the clown killer. That's funny. You actually wrote a like a like a high school essay on him. Yeah, I uh, we did uh, in psychology. We had a psychology in my high school. It was a big high school, so we took it. And I think to kind of get kids interested into psychology, you had to pick a serial killer and write a paper about them. And I picked uh, him. And I wasn't I, really wasn't really like academic. It was more just telling the story of it. So I don't know why we called it an essay, but hey, interesting enough. That's funny. That's an interesting uh, topic for high school. Yeah, for like paper. 16, 17 year olds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good one. Okay, your third question. This actor, whose career spans over four decades, might be most known for playing Dan Connor on television. 
Only Steve Buscemi has appeared in more Coen Brothers films than him, so I think it's reasonable to say when he is working with them, he is most certainly not out of his element. That's an awesome question. The only John that's coming to mind is John Lithgow. John Lithgow is certainly an actor and a famous John. I am looking for John Goodman. Oh, John Goodman. Obviously. All I do is think of a Coen Brothers film like Jesus Murphy. Yeah, any Coen Brothers <laughs> film pretty much. And then one of the characters <laughs> will be played by John Goodman. So um, yeah, John Goodman played. And the the Out of Your Element was a reference to who? Oh, I'm, uh, Donnie, you're out of your element. It's uh, yeah, the Big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah, Walter Sobchak from the Big Lebowski. Can you name any of his other characters? I mean, I'm, you know me. I'm not much of a film person, but I do love Coen Brothers films. So I, I do know most of these. I actually cannot. So he played Gail Snotes in Raising Arizona, Charlie Meadows in Barton Fink, Big Dan Teague in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and Roland Turner in Inside Lewin Davis. Oh, that's awesome. So there you go. You are two for three so far. The next one um, is something I know that you at least used to know, like the back of your hand, and you did mention to me recently that you would be revisiting. No. Oh, for a quarter point each, name the four U.S. presidents with the first given name of John. Okay. John Quincy Adams and John Adams, John Tyler. And That's three. Now all I've got is John Goodman on the mind. Shoot. <laughs> oh, okay, so it's definitely not that. Uh, Kennedy? So hilariously, you got like the three more <laughs> difficult ones with absolute instant feedback. And uh, oh, JFK was the fourth one. Yeah, nice one. Awesome. Yeah. So you are three out of four. And a the quarter last point one. each. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit rude, but sure. Uh, yeah, you got it. Okay, the last one is a question. Uh, I'll leave the additional information for later. How about that? Cool. This John was a Canadian senator from 1896 to 1911. A main thoroughfare, a neighborhood, and many other things in Ottawa are named for him. Additionally, a brewery in London, Ontario carries his name, as well as a budget beer brand especially popular, especially popular with my cohort of Queen students. That is... That's really interesting. Okay. So I'm just going to guess John A. McDonald. It is not. And it, he was never a prime minister. Uh, a neighborhood that you and I know very well in Ottawa is named after him. John Carling? John Carling. Carling Avenue, oh, Carlington. Oh, okay. Um, the, the John Carling Brewery in London is now owned by some major beer conglomerate, but it used to just be the John Carling Brewery and Carling Beer is what, uh, me and my oh, buddies Carling drink beer. way too much of in, uh, in university. Is the, uh, so not Carling Beer, but is the other beer any good? Uh, which other beer? Well, you said there's a brewery owned, uh, John oh Carling. yeah, I mean this is yeah. the, it's like a I don't know if it's an Anheuser Busch or a Labatt or whoever owns it now. Oh, it's okay, still okay. it's still just called the John Carling Brewery. Gotcha. Um, so the answer is probably no. It's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think if I if I got that right, you know, math time here is four out of five. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. We'll give you four out of five. Oh, oh, sorry. Did I, not, I didn't get John Carling. Sorry. Yeah. So three out of five. Three out of five. <laughs> Jesus. As many uh, as you want there, but sure. Yeah. I would say three out of five is probably the fairest. So, so three out of five. And just for people who are keeping up at home, that means that at some point in the future, I'm going to have to deal with what category? 
The most recent person to blank. The most recent person to blank. Shoot, that's not something I can somehow study for. Okay. Hopefully we <laughs> record that in the like the next uh in the in the near future because those could be out of date by then. <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right. Bone saw this or that. One letter answers or events. I think you and I and anyone who's listened to this podcast before know that I'm gonna go with one letter answers. <laughs> So, uh, all right, that's that's good. Eventually, you'll have to learn about some events, though. So, uh, that's right. here we go in one-letter answers. So, starting you off with the softest ball that there is, the third Secretary General of the United Nations has one name along with a single-letter honorific. What is the honorific? So, that would be you, as in you, Thant, and he's the only Secretary General from, I'm going to call it Burma, because it was called Burma when he was the Secretary General. That's right, you, Thant. Um, the you in Burmese naming conventions is for a mature man in a senior position or a monk. So other people with this honorific are you knew, the first prime minister of Burma, and you know Win, who served as Burma's prime minister at some point, then president, and then military dictator. Well, because um, you and I have done trivia for a long time, I think you knew I was going to get that right. <laughs> I did know, yeah. <laughs> Okay, question two in one-letter answers. In 2013, Teresa Fowler published a biographical novel about F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife. What is that book's title? Now, if it was about F. Scott Fitzgerald, my guess would immediately be F. It would be. That would be a good guess, yeah. Um, his wife was called G. His wife was named zelda fitzgerald oh, so it is z you know that's probably something that i did know in the back of my mind and now that you say it i recognize it <laughs> so one out of two in one letter answers next question is something i told you much about long ago oh no and it is a fritz lang film so what single letter is the title of fritz lang's magnum opus film from 1931 which tells the story of a man who abducts and kills children um i recall this discussion so i think it's m is the name of it is that right yeah that's right okay um, so think, we we yep. had talked about this but also i recently saw a post on the internet calling this fritz lang film it was like one of the best movies of its genre ever made or something like that and it is it's many 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 years old now so I it, it's kind of fresh in my mind actually well that's just perfect i think sometimes it's translated to m is for murder or M is for murderer or something, but yeah, M is the name of the original film, which I think also in German, like murder and murder is kind of like the same word. So pretty, pretty good. Two out of three. Into the science realm, giving the relationship between the energy of a photon and its frequency, Planck's constant is represented by what letter? Okay, I think, okay, this is not my answer, but my initial thought was K, but K might be the spring constant that I'm thinking of. And now that I'm thinking about constants, I don't even know if you're asking me about a letter in our alphabet anymore. So I'm going to have to think about the Planck's constant. Interesting. Planck's constant. I'm going to submit mu as my answer. <laughs> it, the, it is specifically a lowercase h. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I thought I'd get crazy with my... <laughs> And uh, to be more specific on what Planck's constant is, a photon's energy is equal to its frequency multiplied by Planck's constant. So any uh, physicists, physicists in the audience can let us know what the hell that means. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a, a tough one. Plank did a lot of stuff that I don't really understand. Um, I think Plank's number, he's got a, a number called Plank's number, and it's like the largest number known in mathematics that has any meaning or something like that. <laughs> that's a cool title to have, too. Yeah. All right. So this one, I'm just going to warn you, it could be a trick question. I don't know. In the James Bond universe, who is the head of the Research and Development Division of the British Secret Service, appearing in 22 out of the 25 James Bond Eon films, Eon being the production studio that made those films, though this person never physically appears in any book by Ian Fleming? Um, okay, so I'm gonna, it's a coin flip, and I'm going to say Q. Q is 100% right. Q, you know what Q stands for? Uh, quartermaster, I think. Damn, you are good. Yes, quartermaster. So it's not a specific person. It's the job. And if you had said M, M would be the rear admiral of the Royal Navy and head of the Secret Service, not so the I, head of the R&D division. I knew there was a Q and an M involved, but M was already an answer. And that's why my oh, coin flip landed on the Q side. <laughs> oh, for that matter, I should have done M. <laughs> <laughs> then it would have been a trick question. All right. So that leaves you with three out of five. One, two, three out of that's five. That's a tie game. In uh, one letter answers. And at some point, I hope you're ready to answer questions about the very ambiguous events yeah high in the ambiguity category there <laughs> now oda tettle round two would you like to answer questions on this or that proprietary eponyms or questions inspired by song lyrics oh gosh that's a tough one uh let's go with proprietary eponyms let me give me give me some time to learn more about song lyrics <laughs> okay so you are two for two on choosing the categories that i thought you would choose okay <laughs> um and proprietary eponyms just as a general definition here it's when we use the brand name or a trademark as the object itself so it's a generalization of it and my example would be instead of saying tissue we most commonly say oh could you get me a kleenex that's right. Okay, so that we don't now. I gotta get Kleenex out of my mind because yep. that was gonna be one of my go-to's. <laughs> so Kleenex is not in there, but I will start with a the softiest of softballs for you, as you did for me. Cotton swabs are most commonly referred to by what proprietary eponym? So that would be Q-tip. But I don't, now that I think of it, I don't know what the Q stands for. Do you? I do because I looked it up for this oh. question. <laughs> I, actually, I do. I, I didn't look it up. I say I think the Q is for quality. But, oh, uh, nice. but I'm, I'm not actually certain about that because I didn't look it up. I say I have a note here that says, look up what the Q stands for. And I didn't do it. OK, yes, I've just confirmed that Q does indeed stand for quality. Yeah, that, that makes sense, because I don't know if you've ever used an off-brand Q-tip or cotton swab. They're horrible. They they're just bend. They're absolutely and they're, they're, dire. Yeah. I don't really understand why they even make them, honestly. There's but hey. no absorbency to them. They hurt your ear. Actually, you're not supposed to put them in your ear, but everybody knows that you do. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question the second. A plaster in the UK would most commonly be known as what proprietary eponym in North America? That is a Band-Aid. That's right. So I was going to use uh, some kind of other word for it, but they all kind of have like bandage in it and it <laughs> led to the answer a little too much. So I went with the UK version of a plaster. That's awesome. Yeah, years and years ago when I was in high school, I was at a local festival in my hometown and Band-Aid Brand was hosting a competition for whoever can sing the Band-Aid song the best. And uh, I entered it, and like most competitions, they didn't award the winning, or the winner was not an adult. It had to be some kid who barely knew how to sing, so I was still sour about it. <laughs> One of your biggest pet peeves in your adult life. <laughs> 
And is that the I'm stuck on Band-Aid brand because Band-Aid's stuck on That's me? That's right. That's right. Nice. <laughs> okay, staying in Britain this time, uh, what they would refer to as a biro is what common item? So I, uh, so I know it is a ballpoint pen, but I don't know if you were looking for ballpoint pen or the word Bic. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get the points. I'm looking for ballpoint pen specifically. Okay. Uh, Byros, it comes from a guy, uh, Laszlo Byro, who's this Hungarian lad, and he invented the ballpoint pen. And he started a company called the Byro Ballpoint Pen Company or whatever. Uh, so the name stuck in the UK. And then eventually Bic, the company, bought Byro. So then mm. in the UK, it's often referred to as a Bic Byro. Which is hilarious. So I'll tell you how I got that one. So I studied Japanese for a few years in university. And I think I've explained to you before that there are some words in foreign languages that just stick in Japanese in common That's day. Right, like yeah. like uh, arubaito means job or part-time job. And it comes from the German for arbeit, which means work. And what the way they say ballpoint pen is bureau. So that is the only reason I knew what you were talking about. Oh, that's excellent. What a way into a question. A real yeah. slumdog. Yeah. Okay, number four. This breakfast cereal of slightly sweetened toasted oats was actually a trademark name owned by the Kellogg Company. It's now used commonly to describe any toasted oat-based cereal with honey or brown sugar, nuts, fruits, or pretty much whatever you want to put in it. Is... Could it be granola? Granola is correct. And this really? one I just oh my learned. God, that's granola cool. is a proprietary eponym. Yeah, I know, I and know. I don't even know where the name comes from. It's not like... Uh, it doesn't have like a Latin root and mean something. It's just what Kellogg's used to call that bland toasted oat crap well kellogg's is so old too right like it's not surprising they came up with this sort of stuff but yeah i never i just pieced together what you described as granola i wouldn't have known that it was a proprietary name either yeah and if it was unsweetened i was well if i didn't harp so much on the honey and brown sugar and sweet stuff you may have went with muesli but uh muesli is oh. not a proprietary eponym so muesli i think just means cereal in german um, and that would have been, yeah, if I had gone with that, I would have just had to have guessed, like, yeah, cereal in German. I wouldn't have known if that's a proprietary name or not. That's right. So who knows? Maybe granola was somebody's name. <laughs> and lastly, for a clean sweep of the proprietary eponym category, a generic cowboy hat with a high crown and a wide brim might be referred to by what last name after the man who trademarked it and founded his hat company in 1865? Okay, so I'm just going with, I'm just going through my head, like, what kind of hats can I name? It's not a Panama hat, obviously. So now I'm stuck on bowler or bucket. Could bucket be someone's name? No, that's not a cowboy hat. That's the hat that, like, Lincoln wore. So let's go with bowler. It is not. uh, And bucket can definitely be a name. Charlie Bucket is the protagonist of charlie and the chocolate factory (laughs) um this is another famous john it was the john b stetson hat company and the stetson is a cowboy hat oh nice okay i like that there you go so you are four for five not bad at all so the pressure's on for you then because it It was time for so bone saw this or that portmanteaus or lines in literature oh Boy, so I can see before we started recording how you you said, well, I know which two you're going to pick, and I do love a good portmanteau. All right. So, portmanteaus, good choice, bone sauce. So, I think uh, just for those who aren't aware, portmanteau is one word formed by smushing two words together. So, I think it'll be clear when we get into it. Yeah, the classic example that, I mean, most like textbooks and things use is smog, which is a portmanteau of smoke and fog. But I think portmanteau itself is a portmanteau. I just don't remember the exact history. I buy it. I buy it. So let's get into it then. 
Another softball, what TV series, follows the characters Blake Anderson, Adam Devine, and Anders Holm, and their work at Telemericor, which is itself a portmanteau. Workaholics, a very funny television show, in my opinion. That's right. Workaholics, I love it too. Uh, it just has this kind of lusting, like, silliness to it, which is completely fine to watch on a you know evening when you need to unwind a little bit. So for those who are unaware, workaholics, that's a portmanteau of the term work and alcoholic. All right, question two. Ahida Zanetti's company, Ahida, holds the trademark for what term describing a swimsuit that covers the whole body except the face, hands, and feet that was subject to some controversy in France in 2009 and again in 2016? I think you are referring to the burkini. That's right, burkini being a portmanteau of burka and bikini. And not to be that guy who's like obsessed with semantics, but a burkini is neither a burka nor a bikini. A burka covers the face while a burkini does not, and a bikini is technically a two-piece, and the burkini or the yeah, the burkini is a one-piece. So it's neither of those things, but hey, cool word. And glad that that exists. Well, I guess. thank you for explaining the minutiae of women's swimwear. <laughs> two for two in portmanteaus. Let's get into some sports language. What portmanteau was originated by John Boys in reference to the NFL to indicate a scoring combination that has never happened before in a sport or a league's history? A scoring combination that has never happened before. Mm-hmm. And it applies to every sport? Yeah, it, it was intended to start as the NFL, but it, it, it's been said in other sports. Um. Hmm. A scoring combination. So we're not looking for a wombo combo here. That's a different thing. Uh, I don't think that's what that is. Never before. I can't even... I, I don't know. I pass. It is called a scoragami. Scoragami? Have you <laughs> Are not heard you that? Kidding yeah. me? No, I've never so, heard of it. Yeah, so John Boys invented this word, I think it was in 2016. And there's a Twitter bot that tracks scoragamis in the NFL, and the most recent of which happened just a few weeks ago, December 24th, 2022, when the Cincinnati Bengals defeated the New England Patriots, and the score was 22-18. And that was the 1,075th scoragami of NFL. That is complete insanity to me. Okay, excellent question. <laughs> I don't even know where I found that, but that was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Okay, question four. In meteorology, which you know me, I love meteorology, what portmanteau is a type of weather forecast on a very short period, up to two or six hours, depending on the definition? And this portmanteau is also used in economics as a very near or very recent uh, sorry, a very near future or very recent past economic indicator. Well, you know me. I love economic indicators. <laughs> um, okay, sorry. What was the first clue? I can't come up with it from the economic indicator. Yep. So it's a type of weather forecast on a very short term period, up to two or six hours, depending on the definition. I want to say AccuWeather, but that's a that's a proprietary eponym. <laughs> um, very near future or very near past. So very so very short very short term, up to two or six hours away in meteorology, but in economics, it's very near future or very recent past. Man, maybe I maybe I have erred in cho choosing uh, portmanteaus here. <laughs> 
I'm really scraping my brain. It's meteorology. You and I have been talking about meteorology recently, so I figured there'd be a meteorology question as well. <laughs> like Insta something. Uh, so, yeah, insta um, weather. <laughs> so in the previous uh, question, the word score was the key there. Um, like scoregami. And in this question, the key is forecast. And if I give you that hint, can you come up with it? Um, I can't. The term is nowcast. Nowcast? Yes. So oh people my. in economics and meteorology have been saying the term nowcasting to mean they have very short term forecast. Like forecast would be in the future, and a nowcast is what do we know is coming immediately, kind of thing. Well, oh, immediately. Very interesting. In I've never heard that term in my entire life. Yeah, it's another one where I just came across it. It was like, this is awesome. How have I never heard of this word before? Yeah, because it was invented yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, hopefully closing it out with an easier one again. In film, what word describes the dramatiz dramatization of the life of a nonfiction or historical person? A uh, biopic or biopic. That's right. That's uh, basically all I've got. Oh, that was excellent. I learned some new words. I uh, got some more portmanteaus to put into my brain folder. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And I believe if anybody at home's counting, uh, to the victor go the spoils, and you've won it again. Well, I feel spoiled because of that, then. <laughs> that's great. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Join us next week for another tried-and-true rapid-fire episode where Bonesaw faces his own Achilles heel, pop culture, and where Oda Tuttle can make neither tails nor heads between sports teams and beds. If you have any comments, questions, trivia, or minigame suggestions, we can be reached at 2DDTPodcast at gmail.com. That's to the number 2DDTPodcast at gmail.com. See you next time. Bye!